Just Being Honest, the JBH Podcast. Let's rock this. True food, full thought. Today's podcast of the Just Being Honest Podcast is brought to you by Sun Potion. Sun Potion, sip and unveil the power from within you. These are really transformational foods for a high vibrational and holistic lifestyle. Sun Potion, they offer the highest quality tonic herbs and superfoods, always organic or wild crafted, consciously sourced from around the world. Guys, my morning favorites are the Yin Power, which is a tonic blend that contains the ingredients organic reishi mushroom, wild harvested he shu wu extract, wild harvested pearl powder, tokos, organic ashwagandha extract, wild harvested pine pollen, wild harvested astragalus, oh my gosh, I can hardly say that, astragalus extract, organic shatavari, and your pure imagination. Guys, it's so easy to make. I simply add one teaspoon of my to my favorite tea, but it's also excellent blended into smoothies, shakes, raw chocolates, warm potions, coffee, and anything other creative concoctions you can think of. So, are you curious yet as to how Sun Potions products can have an effect on your personal immunity, creative energy, hormonal balance, mental clarity, stress relief, and even cellular regeneration? There's one way to find out. You can purchase them right here, right now, by simply clicking the links I provide to you. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. On this episode of the Just Being Honest podcast, we have a story to share that is birthed deep beneath the wide and wondrous ocean. Brian Maneo, better known as the swim mechanic, tells his tale of how one of his greatest fears transformed into his greatest fortes. He goes on to share how he created a thriving business, leading others in overcoming their fears of the ocean by simply channeling the breath. Not only does he teach folks how to master their stroke, but a larger lesson is at hand here, guys. One of wisdom, and that being prepared for what to expect can cultivate success in a multitude of ways in this thing we call L-I-F-E, life. So get ready to swim strong with us. You just turned on the JBH podcast. Let's rock this. Hi, guys. This is your host, KB, and this is the Just Being Honest podcast. Happy sunny day. Well, it's not Sunday, but thank the Lord the sun is out. We had a couple days of, I would say in California terms, winter. It was raining cats and dogs, super, super windy, so cold. And me, if you know me, I'm a walker. KB was not having it. I was not having it. My shoes were drenched. I tried to bring the umbrella. The umbrella flipped inside out. Not cool. 
So, guys, you just turned on the JBH podcast. Welcome. This is your health, nutrition, and positive lifestyle manifestation coach, KB. We have an awesome guest today. He has not only just kind of like boosted up, <laughs> boosted up my ammo on like trying to be daring in multiple ways, but we also have a lot in common, diet, nutrition, um, and what creates the energy and the high vibration around that. So it's really, really exciting to uh, bring our next guest on the show. So we're just going to dive in, (laughs) haha, no pun intended, dive in to this next guest. His name is Mr. Brian Maneo. He is the cultivator, the creator behind something amazing called the swim mechanic all right and he's going to go in further about his services that he has and smog and what smog means um it's not what you get your car checked for okay so without further ado brian welcome to the jbh podcast yeah thanks kb appreciate it so brian just moved brian used to live in la and I just realized he moved down to San Diego to expand his business. Um, and Brian, tell us a little bit about your business first off. Yeah, so it's it's a bit of an unorthodox business in the sense that I think what I do is kind of one of a kind. It's not really fitting in one box of any sort. Uh, I'm simply an, an open water swim coach. But beyond that, I help people overcome fear, namely fear of the open water or the ocean. So I created a community called SMOG, and the clever acronym there is Swim Mechanic Ocean Group. And starting this in L.A. five, six years ago, SMOG seemed like a good fit because of, well, the SMOG in L.A. So I created SMOG as a uh, basically an, an arms-wide-open community to allow people to overcome these fears, to step into the fear of approaching the ocean. And the group organically grew over the years to now what is – Almost 1,700 people across San Francisco, L.A., and now San Diego. Really? Wait, you you expanded up to San Francisco as well? Yeah, so I I don't coach those sessions. I have actually an old-time smogger who moved up there, and she leads the group up there on Saturday mornings now as well. Amazing, Brian. Okay, so keep (laughs) going, keep going. So uh, I guess smog has become the crux of my business now where everything is kind of based around that. I now have a podcast called Smogcast, and... I'm pursuing deeper now the mental side of fear and overcoming fear mm-hmm. uh, based around water specifically. Mm-hmm. So my clients are, it's a pretty dynamic range of someone who it's their first time in the ocean and someone who might even be like a professional athlete uh, that does have these deeply rooted fears that they're finally approaching. So let me, let me get personal. I am from Kansas originally, which you, I think you know, um, when I did triathlon, a lot of triathlon, we did our swim portion in lakes. And lakes are, a lot of people are like, ugh, you know, like total gag reflex, like lakes, I can't see anything. Same thing with ocean, but ocean's a different breed. Yeah. So the first time I did an open water swim, it took me probably a couple of years to even get over my fear of diving through that wave. I am, guys, I'm not... I'm not a big person. I'm not tall. Uh, I have so my eyes, let's just say my eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to the ocean where I'm like, I can totally jump through that wave to get out there. Oh, water is hard. 
it's like a brick wall. Um, <laughs> and also the fact that I bought my first wetsuit actually from Brian. And when I got out and did my first peer-to-peer swim, it's it's one of those things. Fear fear is a big big thing. You see shadows. You feel stuff touch you and you don't know what it is you don't even want to guess what it is <laughs> so what's 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 the when you have first timers come to you how do you create that calm before they go in there because we all know there's not 20 lifeguards out there helping you out no that, that's an awesome question and like i love talking about this because this is like again the bread and butter of my business and a lot of people come to me for different reasons i think that they they are approaching this as a overcoming the fear of the water but maybe without even realizing, this is also the catalyst to overcome other fears in their lives. Mm. So like they're, they're coming to approach this to use this in other facets of their lives as well. But let's say day one, they get to the ocean, they have some reservations, super common. My first thing I teach people, my first device to utilize is the breath. And I think I've kind of combined maybe a bit of my yoga background and just my own trial and error with, with overcoming fear myself when I was a teenager uh, breath is the one thing we own. So the breath is the one thing you can really tap into to at least put yourself in a good position to do whatever you're trying to do. Because in, in the water, in the ocean, most people tend to hold their breath. Mm. They hold their breath, they've got restriction, they're tense, and so your ceiling, your performance ceiling is a lot lower from the start. When simply, if you can just get back to the quality of your breath and think about like the inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and get back to that smooth rise and fall, you're at least in a somewhat controlled state. When the ocean, there's nothing controlled about it. It's super dynamic with lots of variables. So first thing is the breath. And when I tell people to think about this, it's kind of like this light bulb goes off, like, oh yeah, like breathe, think about my breath. When it seems so obvious, but it's not very innate to us. On land, we take it for granted because it's this autonomic function that's always going we might think about the quality of the breath if we're like a high-performing athlete or in certain times, if you're really stressed, you kind of uh, sigh out. But for the most part, the breath is super overlooked. So if I, if I feed them that little nugget of focus on your breath, focus on your breath, and only your breath, they'll come back out of the water their first round and be like, man, you're, you're a genius. Like, that was incredible. It was so easy. And that's oftentimes all it takes to get people at least into the water the first time. Yeah. And so do <laughs> a majority of these people, like when they come to you at the beach on Saturday mornings, um, they come, they come with their little backpacks and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Or are they like literally like dragging their feet? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And how do you actually talk them besides saying, you know, maintain that breath? How do you, how do you say, okay, just jump on in, you know? So it's a good question. It's a bit of both. So I've got plenty of people who show up that are, are ready and they're excited, and they're experienced perhaps as well. There's just as many that might reach out to me beforehand, and those are typically the ones I can tell are going to need more of the one-on-one attention and help. So gauging off of their their language and their experience, I might offer to do a one-on-one session with them first, but let's say that that's not even part of the option. They show up, first time meeting them, and they are super, super hesitant and nervous to get in the water. Um, I'll spend time with them on the beach. Each session, I'll kind of feed my little spiel as far as what the ocean is doing in this current moment, what to expect, and how to prepare for it mentally. Because that's the biggest thing. The ocean's always changing. So the safest approach, regardless of your skill or experience, is knowing what to expect when you get out there. 
So how do you pursue, or rather, how do you approach the waves and know what to expect and how to get through it easily? So there's oftentimes when these people will kind of hold back. The gun goes off, per se, and everyone's charging into the water and going to the first buoy. I'll take notes and take notice of the people who are staying back on the beach. I'll stand up. <laughs> Go you ahead. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After <I'll>, you. <laughs> right, right. So I'll, I'll hang out with them. And I think one of the things I always tell people is there's, there's no rush with this. Uh, today might be a total observation day. You watch. You watch. We'll go to the surf. I can kind of talk you through uh, the execution of something that was good and bad about these people. And oftentimes that makes people feel really good. You're like, okay, this is like a little stepping stone here. I'm at least here. I took the first step. I showed up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning when I could have been sleeping. I'm on the beach and I'm doing something pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a, I guess, a methodology or a, a progression here. And I think the first piece is just even observing, just watching people. And that's empowering because people see that, like, look, here's these guys of all sizes, shapes, ages, skill levels doing the same thing. So it's not just a bunch of, like, stud Olympians out there, which those guys are out there too. Yeah. But it really is, like, a, like a, a community of people that – if you were to see this out outside of like the beach, you'd be like, what is their possible common denominator? Like, like what is this group of people? Yeah. Which I like pride myself on. I pride smog on because it's, it's everybody. And that's the whole point. Like water is life and we're all connected by this beautiful, powerful thing. that's the ocean. And for us, lucky enough to live down in Southern California or near an ocean, this is why we live here. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people then realize the power that comes from the ocean when you actually get in the water, not just observe it and appreciate it from afar. So let's step back and then we'll go back to the power of the ocean. I want to step back to your childhood, all right? So may I ask you how old you are right now? I'm 34 going on 35 here soon. Well, you're 34. Um, Are you Capricorn? No. (laughs) Oh. Um. You said 35 soon, so I was like, yeah. oh, he's a Capricorn. Um, so you're 34. So let's say you're 30, 32 years ago. Maybe you were two when you first jumped into water. Or how did you get started? What was your first experience with water? Why are you doing this today? You know, I want to know from your childhood what got you started in this love for water. No, that's a great question. So for me, I grew up in Texas, and – if you have any knowing or understanding of Texas, it's a very hot place in the summers. And in this sort of middle-class area where I grew up, everyone has a pool. And if you don't have a pool, there is a community pool within a mile, guaranteed. Right. So, so there's, there's water accessible to everybody. And so it's kind of like an escape or retreat for most people just to like survive the heat to be in the water. I had an older brother who is a swimmer. He's three and a half years older than I am. And so to a large degree, watching him get into the swim team made me want to do the same thing. But I can vividly remember my early days in the water in the pool in our backyard was by myself. I'm sure under the eye of my, my parents, but I was I was exploring and I was in love immediately. So I was I was really fascinated by the way I could twist and turn and go deep and move on all planes and be supported by the water and float and, and jump into it. It was I, I immediately had this this love connection with it that uh, I I mean I had to be dragged out of the water to have dinner <laughs> and this was it and this was an early this was like literally age three four five six all these early years i joined the swim team uh right when i turned five years old so i was one of the, the youngest in the team and i don't know if i was good or not but i again i loved it i was really passionate about it my brother was doing it so i was sharing something with my older brother 
which as most siblings can relate to that are younger, you kind of want to be like or do like yeah. your older sibling, especially at that age. So that, that kind of began my trajectory as far as being, being an aquatic being. Um, and when I was 18, this is probably the, the biggest piece of my story that, that kind of shot me towards where I am today. Uh, still swimming. There was a woman who was getting into triathlon. I say woman, an 18-year-old girl that was in my class. And I guess I had a crush on her. I wanted to impress her. And she knew I was a swimmer. So she was asking for help in the lake to help her train for this triathlon. Wait, this how point, old were you? 18. Uh, oh, you were both 18. Okay. We were, so we were both seniors in high school. Uh, at this point, I had not swam open water at all, which seems kind of crazy, but not really. Like, like, you don't really swim in the lakes in Texas all that much. Most people don't, at least. So I go out there. It was like an Easter Sunday, in fact. It was cold. It was rainy. I had no idea of, of the formalities of, of how these swims go, of, of gear, what to wear. And I think I was kind of nervous. So I was like, finally there. I'm like, I actually don't really know what I'm doing. But I want, I, I want her to think that I know what I'm doing. So I want to impress her. Yeah, exactly. So we get out there. And I guess she's done this plenty. So she kind of takes off and dives in the water and starts swimming. Which I then realized I'm supposed to do the same thing. I'm supposed to just kind of follow her, and this is how you do an open water swim, which I had no idea what was at this point. I get out maybe 50 yards, and this is a lake, remember? So whatever wind there was was creating a very small surface chop. I mean, this is nothing compared to what I do now in the ocean every day, and this freaked me out. So 50, water, 50 yards in, I'm treading water, I'm swallowing water, I'm panicking, and I'm, I'm just trying to survive, like choking on water. She looks back. 100 yards away and kind of like was like give me the thumbs up like you, you okay and i kind of choked and I'm, I'm, I'm good like trying to convince her like no it's cool i'm just you know, dying something yeah slowly dying quickly dying uh maybe another minute passes tops at this point i literally convinced myself that i couldn't do this like i, I actually knew that i could not do this which felt crazy because my identity was the water was being a swimmer my entire life and here I am in water, granted open water for the first time, and it was something that I was terrible at. I couldn't do it. She turns back, and she gets back to me, and within maybe 10 yards, at this point, my mind's spinning out. All these thoughts are, are, are just kind of ruminated, manifesting. It's huge. It's loud. Everything's swirling. And I can see her. I can see her mouthing, just breathe. Just breathe. And while I couldn't hear her, I saw those words, just breathe, come out of her lips. And it's like, oh, yeah. Just breathe, get back to my breath. And that at least allowed me to kind of relax for a second, which is now you see why I teach us today. So yada, yada, yada. We swim back to shore again, maybe 50 yards. We're, we're like a minute off of, off of shore, not far at all. I kind of hang my head in shame. Uh, she's not impressed, clearly. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I Pretty much. We, we, had driven, we had driven separately. So yeah, we did part ways. And it was the first time I realized I had a fear. Mm. Up until that point, I, I'd had, a, I, I would say, a pretty amazing life, uh, great family, great childhood, and I had a fear. But not only was it a fear, it was a fear of what I loved the most. Mm. So I was motivated to overcome this. I had no idea how to. I was embarrassed to tell anybody. I didn't even tell my parents about this. So each day after school, the following weeks, I would drive 30 minutes to this lake and I was just trying to figure out how to overcome this. So day one, I got in the water about waist deep. Day two, I think I was like submerging my body a couple times. Day three, I was starting to sort of swim in the really shallow area along the, the, the 
Cove. Day four, I was starting to swim. And it got to the point where I was leaving from these swims feeling high and feeling strong and feeling like mentally able, capable again. And I was realizing like, man, like not only am I overcoming this fear, I'm, I'm also kind of good at this. So without even realizing, I was creating the methodology that I now teach to people with overcoming fear because I was there myself, which again, seems kind of crazy knowing, you know, my social media as the swimmer is my identity. I am, but I wasn't always an open water swimmer. So let's move on. But how did you, how did you get to California? So great question. Um, there's a bit of a gap here where I didn't immediately just pursue this passion because I, I didn't have that much foresight. <laughs> at, at that, uh-huh. yeah, at like 18, I didn't like have my whole career mapped out yet. I went to college and took a handful of years off in swimming, and then um, moved back to Texas a handful of years later. And it was at that point that I started my first open water group in the lakes. And my my thought, my idea was to create a community based around the water. And I, I wanted to do this because if, if I would have had this supportive group when I was trying to overcome the fear, I know that it would have looked very different. And I know that I wouldn't have had that experience the first time. And not to sensationalize my experience of like maybe almost drowning or thinking I was going to, but it really changed my entire life and my whole mental approach to, to myself. So I created this group and immediately it kind of grew quickly. And it became something that I saw people were, were hungry for. So it was a fully inclusive group where people would show up, again, all walks of life. We would get in the water, we'd swim, it was kind of crazy, it was cold, no one else was doing this, and afterwards we'd go have food and coffee together, and it became like a little family. And those became my best friends and my family. So I, I, saw, I saw the potential in this, yet I still hadn't seen other people doing this really around the country or around the world. So I was like, well, how come, like, why isn't everybody doing this? There's water everywhere. Our planet is blue. So my dream, my goal was then to move to California to be in like what is basically the mecca of triathlon and open water swimming to create the same sort of community, hence Smog. So what age were you when you moved to California? Oh, that was only about six years ago. So oh, I was really? like late Yeah, I was like late twenties. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then so yep. did you have an initial job coming out here or were you like, let's go, smog baby? I went all in, and, I, and I'm, I've always been like that. I didn't know a single person. I moved out here, and I, at that point, when I was in Dallas, I actually had a great business. I could have stayed there probably the rest of my life, made enough money, and been happy. Uh, I mean, I had that niche carved out in Dallas as an open water swim coach, and triathlon's actually pretty big there. So I was kind of like the go-to guy. I was in a great place. I had no reason to leave. So I made the move and kind of the leap of faith uh, with the confidence that, that I this was my purpose. This was my calling. Okay, cool. So, so you started off smog in in LA, and how did you try to market this? I mean, I'm just like so like on this. Like, how did you try to market this? Like first and foremost, because like six years ago, I'm trying to think. Yeah, we had social media and stuff, but yeah, and you didn't know anyone. Did you just sit at the it, beach. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in essence, I sat at the beach literally. Really. So it, yeah, I'm not even kidding. Nice. So I, I knew there would be no money in this at first. And my my intent was to create community. And I, I wanted this to be a free thing really for as long as possible. Um, in fact, like I, I promised it would be free for as long as I could make it free. But it got to the point where I, I'll tell you in a second. But uh, So I had this free group every Saturday morning of the year. 
which again, that's also like unheard of. There's no like year round open water swim groups like this, at least not, not that I knew of at the time. So I showed up week one. I brought like one or two of my clients. I had just met recently. So there's like maybe three of us. Weeks two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it was between two and four of us. I think it was like week seven. I showed up and I was the only one there. And I was kind of like, what am I doing? Like it's, it's 8 a.m. Saturday morning. I could easily be doing something else. And here I am like donating time on the beach. And, but I caught myself and I was like, I was like, no, like, like, look where I am. Like, this is incredible. I, I live on the water here. I'm, this is like been my dream forever. So I stuck with it, of course. And week eight, week nine, week 10, the group didn't build very quickly. So it wasn't like this thing where I saw hope in the first few months. It was a super slow thing. But what I did see was that people started to invite their right people. Meaning you have a good friend who you know would be a great addition to the group. You know, she's super positive and you invite her. It's like, awesome, we're stoked to have her in the group. So people started bringing their right people. So there was like no bad apples in this group. It's a, it a group of everyone who was stoked, who was happy and supportive. And so it became this like beautiful group of like love, ultimately. So by year one, I think we were averaging about 20 people per session, which at that time felt really good. It felt like a good yeah, it felt like a good group. Um, year two, we're averaging like 75 people per session. And then year three, it was like over 100. And is it still free? Was it still free at year three? It was, yes. And so we had to apply for permits after year two. I think once it was above like 25 people. <laughs> like, who are all these people, huh? I mean, that's kind of what it was. And there's some liability involved. And of course, I've got my liability insurance and whatnot. But when there's beach activity, you have to have permits when it's a consistent thing. It's that big of a group taking up space. So no problem. We got permits, and the group then actually, I think, blew up even more because of that. Nice. So I didn't start to make the paid thing until year, like, middle of year three, when I started to add more services. I added in a cycling component, a running component, a yoga component. So it became more of like a all-inclusive offering of, of wellness, essentially, without, say, a nutrition space. piece. Yeah, but, totally. but you but you didn't have a, like a space. It was just all outdoors. It was all organic, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, okay, so so you're at year three. You're so now you're at year six, and you've expanded to uh, San Francisco, uh, newly to San Diego, um, LA, and did you say you had one more? Space? Those are the three right now. Although we we have uh, something else in the works in the UK. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear about that. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you think you'll yeah. ever um, do some more in like Dallas? Like do visiting, uh, you know, um, lake lake work and stuff like that, like the retreat camps? Absolutely. And I have actually once a year or so, I'll return to Texas to do a little tour of clinics, which I really love doing. Nice. Um, although I did not do that this year, but next year I, I do have plans for that. And as far as like this, this smog sort of brand goes, I would love to make this a bit more... Uh, universal across the board. Anywhere there's water, I would love to provide the know-how to create a community and a group. Nice. And, and I, I'm saying I don't even have to capitalize off that. I just I want to see people in the water. I want to see people bonding and experiencing the open water. Like water safety too is huge. Absolutely huge. Um, can I ask you during this this journey? I'm not even say crazy because you could <laughs> you could ask me about my life and the, the the path that I've gone and where I've lived and why and why I've gone there and why I've done that. Um, 
what about your parents? Like, what what was because you're you have two boys in your family, correct? Yep. Um, you're the youngest. Were they like Brian, get a real job, or were they like go for it? You know, like go after your dreams. Yeah, that's that's an awesome question, and I, I'm lucky to have the parents I do because I think plenty of parents would um, probably encourage me to get a traditional job. Although I never once had to rely on them financially since being an adult, you know, now a dozen, 13 years ago. So they have always been the march by the beat of your own drum, Brian, like express yourself, be unique, be different. And I have always been those things. So for me now looking back, it's like, of course I'm doing this. So like I've always been the super unorthodox person who wants to do things in, in his own sort of unique approach or sense. So as I was creating these open water groups, again, I had no, I didn't really have the, the vision to know this would be my career or be like the cornerstone of what I'm doing now. Of course it is. And it all makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, I guess I did have some foresight and, and like a little bit of intuition with following what makes me happy. And I've always lived from a place of happiness being the most valued thing in my life. Yeah, I love that. You know, I noticed that when I was living in multiple places and and a lot of times, often at times, you know, even in your 20s, you people, and many people now, they're always striving to say, oh, I'll be happy when. When I get to this point in my life, I'll be happy. But then they're always trying to reach that next level of, I guess you could say, quote unquote, happiness uh, quota. And it's like, but then, you know, what is your, what is your now that creates that happiness? And you yeah. found it, you know? No, that's a great point. I mean, it's, I think I do think it's very important to not let life pass you by. So it's very easy to live for the vacation you have at the end of the year or work towards something big, but the, every single moment up until then is what you have to live. Like, like that, that's actually your experience, and that ultimate thing you're working towards is one very small micro percentage of your experience and of your chronology. So, how can you best tap into what is authentic and true to yourself that makes you happy every day. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing where it's a big accomplishment that you can write down on paper. It can be as simple as, you know, I, I read a book today and I, I felt really nice. It was relaxing and I, that, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. And, and that, that should be also, I think, um, uh, applauded because you were true to yourself. So let me ask you something personal. Were you always kind of this calm and level-headed or did it take a lot of work and practice? I mean, you mean uh, yeah, you're 34. You probably matured quite nicely, but you know, we all don't think this way. There's always something that happens in life that, like, in my belief, that like, you know, clicks a switch and you're like, okay, this is the next, this is the next step. Yeah, I think I've I've also been pretty. I've always been pretty calm. Um, I think wisdom comes with experience, of course, and it's a word that seems silly when you're younger because you have no idea what it means. But now that I have had experience and I've learned things and I can bestow certain lessons on other people if I want to, I think I have some wisdom. So my calmness and my approach to life has certainly evolved. Um, but what has not changed is always wanting to express myself freely as who I am. In high school, I was the guy who was friends with every social circle. And I was the skinny, scrawny, goofy, not like the super attractive guy, but I was kind of like loved by everybody. And I actually was the homecoming king, even as like the 
kind of like dorky, unattractive guy because I was the fun one. I was like everyone was was my friend. It wasn't the, the high school you know quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think I've always prided myself and always again been true to myself. So perhaps that does translate into having a bit of calmness and self confidence. But of course, internally there's there's a battle on both sides where like. I know what's true to me and what makes me happy, but I'm still looking around me, seeing what else is going on, comparing myself at times. So I'm not immune to that. Like social media, for example, definitely uh, is difficult for me at times. Because I see, say, another swim coach doing something really big, and it's like, oh man, like well, maybe I can't do that. Like maybe they've already done that. Like I can't do that. So there, there is of course the internal battle daily for the most part. But I, I, I do I do tend to focus more on the um, trusting the process and trusting where I am right now, and it's for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean I think that's a huge les- lesson to take away. And guys, you you can't see Brian right now, um, but he's got both of his arms tatted up, right? <laughs> Let's show him to me and let me see what we're rocking here. Yeah, he's got both of his. They're actually really beautiful that's what i love about arm sleeves is because it's such a story it's so intricate on there um and i want to kind of jump into more of your lifestyle because you said you know you were the connector between many different groups and i can see that that's probably why you're such a good leader with so many diverse personality types coming to your swim groups because you can relate to all those different personalities um i know for a fact that you are I want to say, uh, without putting too much labels, plant-based, correct? Yep. So you're plant-based. Do you eat any animal products? No, I do not. I've, I've been plant-based for about four, four to five years, I guess. Okay, and so how did how did you get into that? I'm always interested. Like, were you slowly, like, transitioned into that? And I know we're just, like, totally jumping subjects, but I, I kind of want to know this. No, I, I love talking nutrition. Um, for me, it was... It was very conscious because I've always had some GI distress. Um, maybe it's IBS. It's really it's undefined at this point. Uh, years ago, I cut out gluten, probably seven or eight years ago, which was a good choice. It was a step in the right direction. Again, I've always had stomach aches daily and just uh, very compromised uh, system. So that was, was helpful, step in the right direction. Actually, I should back here. I, I cut out dairy first, I think, around age 22. Uh, I never drank milk, but I would have cheese on things and, uh, you know, and baked goods or be milk or something. So I, I cut out dairy first. Again, small step in the right direction. Cut out gluten uh, seven, eight years ago, step in the right direction. But still, it wasn't like – I didn't think I was operating like a, like in a neutral space. Like I thought I was still like lower than I should be. So I think it was – yeah, it was quite a few years now. I was like, you know, I'm going to try plant-based because – I already didn't eat red meat. I ate chicken maybe once a week, fish maybe once a week. I was already like really in that direction without even trying to have a certain label or a certain strict diet. I've always eaten pretty clean, so my parents ate clean. Mm. So when I kids doing uh, to go on vegan, uh, things felt great. Things felt really good. My energy was great. My my skin like looked like like a different kind of brightness to it. My eyes looked Your a little eyes. brighter. Yeah. Yeah, like you can, you can, you can really see it. And then once I got into the physical piece of it, I also started to get into more of the animal rights and the environmental pieces to it. And it became a very easy thing. Like, okay, I'm, this is right. Like, like now I know way too much, 
and I can't turn back now. It seems like a lot of people, they just don't have the education perhaps on it. So let me ask you about um, more vanity side, because if you look at a photo of Brian, he is, he is ripped. Like you are ripped. <laughs> like you've got like washboard abs. How did your body change since you changed your dietary and your recovery rate? Yeah, great question. Recovery was like skyrocketing. It was, it was pretty remarkable. Um, and I, I, I go through phases where I train pretty hard. I mean, the, there's weeks where I'm in the water for 20 hours. Uh, I'm not really in one of those places right now. I still swim four days a week or so, but I train pretty hard. And as you can imagine, as you're getting older, even though I'm not very old, your body starts to break down. Yeah. <laughs> and so doing plant-based, I felt less inflammation. I felt a lot less uh, joint pain and, and back pain. So that was an easy, immediate thing for me as far as recovery goes. Um, as far as how my body transformed, I think the one big thing that changed was I maybe got a little bit leaner, so probably a little bit less body fat. And I'm, I'm naturally lean as it is, like yourself, mm -hmm. I think just from genetics. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that uh, I, I held muscle really well, and I, I just had less fat around like my midsection, less probably even water weight perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I, uh, a lot of, especially men that I talk to, um, you know, and I'm not the person that's, like, out there with a the billboard saying, like, don't eat meat and, like, throwing red right. paint on you, you know, but um, I do know it's uh, scientific, you know, like, health benefits behind it. Um, and a lot of men that I've talked to, sorry, guys, but, you know, they will have meat on meat on meat the animal product on animal product on animal product. And, you know, as I've mentioned before, uh, our nation is not protein deficient. And some of, guys, oh my gosh, like elephants, they're the biggest plant eaters around. And think how strong they are, you know, how much muscle they have. So that's kind of like my point there. And without kind of like jumping off my soapbox too much, but, you know, like, my friend Brendan, you know, Brendan Brasher, you look at his body, he's completely plant-based, no animal products. That guy, oh my gosh, he is like a rhinoceros. He could, like, he could, like, push over a, a semi-truck. He is super strong. His abs, I mean, he runs, like, 15 miles a day, I feel like. Talk about recovery rate, okay? Yeah. So. Yeah, Bre Brendan's a perfect example, and he's a buddy of mine as well, like, Seeing him create the Vega line and kind of refine that over the years is super inspirational because I think, again, now with education, there are plenty of plant-based um, diets. And I don't mean diet as a like a, a crash diet. I mean yeah. diet is what you're taking your Regimen, body. yeah. Yeah, the, um, regimens, diets that, that you can now take on that really won't feel like you're having to lack anything. Mm -mm. And if you are, the beauty is too, there's like the Beyond Meats of the world's and the certain cheese companies that make things that are, are basically the same. They look, the texture, everything is the same as, say, meat or a, a cheese. Mm -hmm. For me, that's less important. So I was never super into meat or even cheese for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm not like one of those people either that really pushes uh, being plant-based. Because I, I do firmly believe if there was some way everyone could magically shift to um, different portion sizes where it's there is a sustainable way to be uh, not be vegan. I think it's just we need to have way more plants and a very small part of animal protein. But most people don't do that. I think that that is possible, but I don't think it's likely ever to happen. 
course. So actually, true fact, you know, like a couple of things. Back in the days, predominantly everyone ate mostly plants of that nature and meats, animal <coughs> products were nearly a topping. Um, now it's kind of like the opposite where like everyone's, mostly everyone's plates are the color of brown, grays, when we should be eating the rainbow, you know? Yeah. Because as I said before in a last podcast, I believe, is that we are biophotons, we are light, we are high vibrational beings. The more we eat high vibrational foods, the more we will glow. That's why people are like, KB, your skin glows. I'm like, well, I eat glowing foods. So that's really good to have a guy's standpoint from that because I have a lot of men that are very skeptical, maybe nervous, maybe nervous also that's going to take away some masculine qualities to them. But no, it actually in turn will probably add more clarity to your mind, your body, and your soul. Um, so I always say, Try it out for three days. Try it out for a week. See how you feel. And yeah, at first, in all reality, and I'm just being honest, um, your body will be detoxing a lot of stuff. So you may feel a little bit crummy at first. Um, but then you'll bend back. I swear to you. I promise. Um, okay. So let me see. Um, let's go back to And then we're going to wrap it up. Um, the power of the ocean. You mentioned that. Tell me what that means to you. Ooh, uh, so again, back to the term blue planets. I mean, our, our planet is a largely a blue marble. I mean, it's 60% mm -hmm. water, give or take. So it is the most natural thing to us, period. I mean, we, we come from water. We are water, ultimately. So the connection with water is undeniable, but of course takes different shapes for different people. So the power of the ocean uh, is, I, think, I believe, to be a very innate thing. Whether it's actualized and understood, that's different. But we are all drawn to the ocean. For some people, it's as simple as looking at the ocean, feeling the, the power of the ocean. For others, it's actually getting in the water. But I think it's one and the same. So my, my goal is always to introduce that to people that, that have not had the experience. Like I said before, getting more people into the open water. Uh, it's kind of the pulse of the earth. Mm -hmm. the, the swell of the ocean is kind of like the pulse of the earth. And we owe our lives to it. It mm -hmm. creates the, the oxygen that we're breathing. Uh, the relationship between the moon and the ocean is so romantic. Like It's so mm -hmm. beautiful how, how they work together. Um, yeah. And I'm getting a little emotional because it's so true. Like when I moved out here... Um, you know, I have come out here many times in my life, you know, whether it was a passing of a really good friend, um, you know, throwing flowers into the ocean. Um, it's such a, how do I say this? Uh, not refreshing, but just, um, it replenishes your soul. And I think why I get emotional about it is because... <laughs> I don't think anyone can go look at the ocean and be truly angry. I think you can go sit down there, just zone out, watch the waves come in, and your eyes glaze over, and it really does remind you to breathe. It reminds you to calm down the rate of your heartbeat, and it 
also reminds you of simplicity in life and that that's all you need. I mean, it's so true. And, and what's more present than the ocean? You know, it's so dynamic. Every second is changing. And you have to be present with that, particularly when you're in the water. Uh, you, there's no there's no time to become mindless. Uh, and the beauty is it's all internal. So when you're in the ocean, you're only with yourself. You're only with whatever is in your head, which can be really difficult or really rewarding, and oftentimes both. So I think a lot of people have a hard time approaching getting in the water because it's it's a bit vulnerable. And I think if we all approach these vulnerabilities more often, we would probably tap into a lot more. And so for me personally, the ocean's been my greatest teacher in life. Like you said, like I never come out of the water regretting it. I never come out of the water not feeling amazing. It's it's never just like, oh, that was that was good. I'm I'm always ecstatic. I'm always lighting up. I feel powerful. I feel empowered. I'm ready to do something, ready to take on the rest of the day. And I think a lot of people have found other ways to utilize this, you know, cold showers, going for a run, you can have the runners high, but there's really nothing like the ocean. It, it, it's the most unique thing we have on this planet. It's that thing where people say, you know, salt water heals all, you know, it, it really does. I mean, it, it, it kind of like, you know, resets your, in all reality, your central nervous system because we need that salt within us too. And if you're like magnesium is off or whatever, but it also, you know, you, <laughs> I had Khalil um, of um, Sun Life on and he was saying, you know, don't give up or I don't know. I'm going to totally like put this into perhaps wrong, but you know, like just, you know, you can be on the worst day of your life and da, 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 but, but until you jump into the ocean, don't, don't give up, you know, just jump into the ocean and you'll feel better. I promise, you know, and it's true. Like you can just, you get out and you're like, woo, like not just like I did it, but like literally I did it. And, um, and you, in all God's grace, you've got to be, I'm going to go totally tangent on this. You've got to be very respectful of the ocean. Very respectful. Now, I have a story. I'm going to get off tangent here. But going back to fear, and then I'm going to ask you your one last question for just being on this um, podcast. Um, going back to fear, and I uh, actually jumped into the ocean one day this summer, had my cap, my goggles on. Waves were mellow, right? Really nothing there. I, for some reason, when I when I stepped foot in there, like, I swear, seven-foot waves, like, huge. Like, <laughs> compared to me, like, they were huge. I got taken under, goggles disappeared, swim was over, didn't even get a start. I was like, oh, my God, it, it, I thought I was going to die. So um, that was my fear thing. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, in all reality, it's a, it's a true thing. I've been swimming. I can swim with my eyes closed. I can not breathe when I'm swimming. But, you know, finding that, overcoming that fear um, really does translate on fears within the rest of your life. And um, I think one of the biggest lessons we can take away from that is trying again at things. So... Absolutely. I think, yeah, so trying again, not giving up, but also surrender because mm -hmm. you can't really fight against the water. You ultimately have to work with the water. 
So surrender also can, can be the physical of, of kind of letting go in the water because in the ocean, it kind of supports you. You can float, which is beautiful. When you can find that, it's so peaceful. Mm-hmm. So the, the more you try to fight against it or muscle through it, the harder it becomes mentally, physically, and it's a pretty short-lived effort then at that point. So that might be your first experience is that, but then once you can find that place where you can relax into it and breathe into it and mm-hmm. surrender, it changes your life. It's There's nothing else like it. It's incredible. I love it. Well, Brian, I'm going to ask you one more question. We're going to let you get on because we know you're a businessman. Um, all right. Are you ready for this? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Brian. What is your honest truth that has led you on a path to success in maintaining a healthy lifestyle? Good question. My honest truth is being empathetic and supportive of others. And that's what I've done my entire life. I'm the one that will be there next to you to support you through whatever. And it's magically somehow taken shape into where I am today, where I, again, am in the the connector, the arms wide open person who will welcome you to the group and take care of you there on out. So for me, it's just having compassion and love for others. I'm like, oh, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. They do exist out there. Well, I love that because you know what? What you put out there comes straight back. That's it. That's it. And and that's a great point. I, I, I mentioned smog is my family and they are. If I had something going on, I've got like a thousand people I can call right now, (laughs) and they they would probably come help me. So it's pretty special. It's also pretty simple. Be good, and and people be good to you as well. I love it. I love it. It's kind of like water. Just surrender. Don't put up the resist. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing your knowledge. And I will have all of your information in the show notes. If people live in one of these communities that they want to get involved in, or maybe they even just want to reach out to you and ask you a water question. Maybe they live in Texas or Kansas and they're doing lake swims and kind of want like the 411 about how to get started or stroke technique or just breathing. Who knows? Um, I'm here. Yay. So can you share with everyone your social handles? Yeah, so uh, Instagram and Facebook is the swim mechanic. The swim mechanic. Uh, Smog is on is the Facebook group that's the community, and then the podcast is called Smogcast. Nice. And the website is also theswimmechanic.com. and you'll see on there from coaching services to mentoring to overcoming fear, uh, even to answering questions. Like I will always respond to an email, uh, even if it's not a paid service. I, again, I'm, I want to be a resource to people if possible, and I'm always really anxious to help Brian you're a wonderful light and I'm so grateful to just I don't even I was trying to think about how we even met I don't I don't even remember I I think mutual friends years ago and and then the listeners will be curious about this like we would see each other like at Whole Foods and and the juice bars and like random we 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 live a very similar uh, lifestyle life yes for sure well guys if you want to hear more of these type of podcasts, feel free to subscribe, rate, review us on Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast FM. We have a new podcast coming out every single Monday, so stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss a beat. Until next time, it's been an honor, a pleasure, and a pure delight. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love, ciao.